Well, good morning. Am I coming through okay? All right. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> do you have a friend who comes up with crazy ideas and then they want you to do the crazy thing with them? Often it makes for an adventure, a fun ride, or an exciting time, right? Well, I think it's that way with God. Look at what he asked Noah to do. Build an ark. Now, wasn't that a crazy idea? How about Abraham? Go to another land and have many descendants, as many as the stars. And he had no children, and he was old. And then there's Esther. Risk her life by telling the king of Haman's wicked scheme against the Jewish people. Moses was supposed to keep asking Pharaoh to let the Israelites go and then threaten them with the plagues. How about this one? Chris and I are to go to another country and do Bible translation. Leave our jobs and security to live by faith and no guaranteed salary. A few of our relatives have been bold enough to tell us how crazy that is. A deeper challenge is that many details of the Bible are hard to understand. Say nothing about translate them into a language you'll never be a native speaker of. At least Martin Luther had the brains to translate into his own German language. How many of you like taking a trip? Why? It's going to be fun, right? People plan trips to be fun and exciting. In our experience, adventures with the Lord, although they take us out of our comfort zone, are exciting and things that give deep and abiding joy. For a long time, we had known that God created a multitude of languages at the Tower of Babel, that he wants to reach people by means of their own language, as illustrated in Acts at the time of Pentecost, and that people from every nation, tribe, and language will be at the throne in heaven. These stories came to fruition in our lives in 1983. That's when we heard a Bible translator tell his story about the work among the Chamula people of Mexico and about the church that was birthed as a result of the Bible being translated into their heart language. We felt a strong urge to the same calling. Invest our lives in an eternal purpose. Reach an unreached, forgotten people group with the best news on earth that Jesus died for them. There were hard things. Tough academic training, leaving family, friends, familiarity, learning the strange-sounding vocabulary and complex grammar, living among the village people and learning to appreciate their way of life. Even so, we hung in there thinking that we were going to accomplish something great for God. Early on in language learning, I learned the words Yanushka and Wanyushka. We went to a graduation celebration for somebody who graduated from high school, and at the end I wanted to compliment the cooks and say, that was really good food. And I said, Aji Wanyushka. I meant to say, Aji Yanushka. Aji Wanyushka means good dead stuff. <laughs> the best thing in language learning and in your life is 
probably to be able to laugh at yourself, huh? Through the thick and the thin, through the good times and the bad, through the ups and the down, God has led us. It's easier to steer a ship that's no longer at port but is out at sea. We had abandoned our U.S. lifestyle, the comfortable port, in favor of an adventure at sea into an uncharted future in a faraway place. God knew we were willing to be directed, even if we floundered and questioned at times. Sometimes God has specifically guided us <clears throat> when we are reading scripture, which is particularly alive in that circumstance. Other times he has guided us through a word spoken by someone else. At the beginning, when we were moving to Dallas for our training, and we had just sold our home, God guided us through common sense and the consensus that we reached. Uh, our mission had given us a list of people who were willing to house missionaries overnight when they traveled. And we looked at that list and chose somebody in Iowa, somebody in Missouri, somebody in Arkansas, I think it was, on our route so that we could break it up since our daughter Anne was four and our son Mike wasn't, was two months, yeah. So um, <clears throat> we, it was such a blessing because even though I had grieved selling our house and giving up this little split entry house, God just overwhelmed me. Our first night in Iowa was outside of Pella in a mansion owned by the people who invented the round hay baler, the Vermeer family. Our next night was in an underground house, something I had always thought would be really cool to have, and that was near Branson. And the third night was a blessing, especially for our four-year-old daughter, Anne, because she got to really enjoy being out of the car at the hobby farm. In Dallas, we were there for more training and to find out which Latin American country would be the best one for us to be assigned to. Chris and I really didn't feel a piece about the Latin American company, countries that were available. There was Mexico, Central America, and Colombia. So we prayed about it as our administrator advised us, and we decided, well, we'll just put down Colombia, and then Central America, and then Mexico. A couple weeks later, we got the assignment from our organization. They said, go to Colombia. Neither one of us had a piece about it. It was like an instant feeling that just didn't seem right. So we felt a little funny. We prayed, and we thought, now how do we go to our administrator and say, you gave us our first choice, and we don't feel good about it. <laughs> Another time to have humor in your life. But we went. The administrator was fine with it. He says, pray about it. This is, gonna be a, this is a major decision for you. Don't worry that you now don't have a piece about it. God will lead. A little later that semester, I went out to the volleyball court, and there was a new lady on the court. We introduced ourselves, and she said she was from Ecuador, working there in IT. And I said, you don't need any translators in Ecuador, do you? She says, by the way, we do. And our now director and the one who's going to be the director are both here. I'd like to see if they line up a time that you could meet them. So we met with them and talked. And the first thing almost they told us about this Salasaka group of people is that there's a lot high incidence of alcoholism. And we thought, well, 
I've got two brothers that are alcoholic, one sober and one <laughs> still drinking. Maybe that's, God would use that background. The next thing they told us about it was that um, it's a cool area, high in the mountains. Not cold for people from South Dakota or <laughs> Minnesota, but cool, okay? Most people in translation, they were sure, just wanted to go to those nice, warm, humid climates. I wasn't looking forward to that. I like the spring and the fall climates just fine. And then the last thing they said to us, well, there were many things they said, but a key point that they <laughs> talked to us about was um, they're going to be leaving the Ecuador area and we're going to be needed to, to, to have a secondment. We're going to have to work with another mission of some sort. And the main connection they had was a small Lutheran mission. And we said, well, we just happen to have Lutheran background. That works for us. Years later, we found out they were bringing up these topics saying they thought that this would discourage us and these wouldn't be the right place. And we the whole time thought, hey, this is exactly the place for us. It's matching our background. So in 1988, <clears throat> we realized God was guiding us through circumstances. <clears throat> in order to belong to the World Mission Prayer League Lutheran Mission out of Minnesota, we had to attend their briefing course. They offer it every year, but we chose 1988 because both of my sisters who live in Moorhead, Minnesota, were expecting their first babies. And our mom had died when we were in college. And so we came back then to congratulate them and attend the May briefing course. Also, there was a linguistic course that I could take afterward that was being offered for the first time in a block of four weeks. Um, so it was, I never dreamed what God could do just because of him guiding us through those circumstances. At the first breakfast during briefing course, a total stranger sat down across from me. I saw his name was Jay Johnson. He saw my name tag, Chris Wyskoski, and the first thing he said was, aren't you and your husband working in Salasaka, Ecuador? It just about flipped because nobody knows Salasaka. Nobody can pronounce it for the first time. And how he got the connection to my name was astounding. So he said, I was a Peace Corps worker in Salasaka, Ecuador. When I saw the mission blurb about you and your husband being assigned there, I cut it out, pinned it to my bulletin board, and I've been praying for you every day since. Jay also volunteered to take a trip down to Ecuador and introduce us to some of his friends in Salasaka. <clears throat> he was also checking out the southern part of the country to see if he was going to be a missionary uh, with World Mission Prayer League. Um, but in Salasaka, it works a lot like in many places of the world, but even more so, they're relationship people. So if you're a friend of my friend, you're my friend. And we got so many friends with this group of people that's called a closed corporate society that's been a blessing for us all the time ever since. God really worked in those circumstances. In many ways, God has protected us and provided for us. The very active volcano, Tungurawa, and landslides during rainy times have oftentimes delayed us or inconvenienced us. But we've never been buried under mud or ash, thankfully. <clears throat> Our kids have been protected in many ways from dangers 
Even David, as a young preschooler, uh, stayed safe when he walked away from home by himself. That happened in two different places in Ecuador and in Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> At various times, our stuff, including money, passports, cameras, bikes, so that stuff has been ruined or stolen. But at those times, we were able to thank God that it was only stuff and nothing of eternal significance. In 1995, during David's birth and the events which followed it, we realized God's many provisions and his orchestration of events to a degree unprecedented in our experience before then. David was due in October, and there was a cardiologist from Fargo, North Dakota, who was going to be down in Ecuador doing a seminar for a week in September. So he contacted Chris's sisters, and they sent, along, uh, sent down with him a car seat and lots of wonderful baby things. It had been 10 years since we had a baby, so it was fun to get those little things and meet him in, North in Quito. We hadn't planned to be in Quito at that time, but David was born five weeks early, so just the right timing. And then they had started to get concerned about some things they were seeing in his heart and other things. And so we went up and we met Quito to, to have some uh, more medical attention for David. And we met Dr. Agnew and his wife, and it was really pleasant. Well, he had also come with another doctor, a cardiologist from uh, Louisiana. As we were up in Quito, David had a really tough night with all of us, and we took him to the doctor, and, and they saw that he had 80% of his blood cells were malformed. And we didn't expect David to last very much long after that. You all know that he's still alive today and doing well. <laughs> the cardiologist's uh, wife is a um, pediatric neurologist. She took a special interest in Dave, they, David. They also have a son with autism. And she started calling right away and made connections for us to get to St. Jude's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee as soon as possible, including getting a passport to get out of the country, which is no minor thing. The U.S. Embassy, from some friends who made calls and did some things, opened up and gave David a passport that morning when they weren't usually attending the public. Now, normally, a mother of a newborn would go with the child to Memphis, Tennessee, but my mom had died of cancer, and I didn't want to watch my baby die of cancer. So I encouraged Shed to go, and I took a hard thing to do, return to the village and pack up and get everything done in a language that I hadn't learned very well yet. But God provided in an amazing way. So... The night I got there with our two older kids, Anne was 14, Mike was 10, um, I just sat down with a notepad in front of me, and at the top half I listed every person I needed to talk to. On the bottom half I listed everything I needed to get done. And I prayed, God, I can't do this. Help. Went to bed, slept great. The next morning at breakfast... And I should say, in Salasaka, there were only two phone lines for about over 10,000 people. So there wasn't a way that I could just pick up the phone and call everybody on my list. I had to just hope they would show up. And sure enough, 
number one on my list showed up at breakfast before that person left. Number two on my list was at the door, and the whole morning went like that. So at lunchtime, we were all sitting down. I hadn't shared this with Ann or Mike because they were busy packing, and uh, a knock came on the door, and I said, that's Peter. And they looked at me strange, like, how do you tell from the knock on the door that that's Peter? So I, I invited Peter in. He sat down, and I explained to all of them what God had done, that he had sent all these people on my list, one after another. Um, en route to Memphis, Tennessee, various things happened. But first, <laughs> let me tell you that um, we bought the plane ticket for David and I to get on the plane. We had to convince people a little bit that that was okay, because he was sickly, okay? And they were concerned about certain issues, but they'd warned us that in order for us to get a, a, a tank of oxygen to have him have as his own would probably delay the trip in a week, and the doctors had already said, get there as soon as you can, um, because time is of essence. Well, so we convinced him. We got the ticket. We bought it. I walked on the plane with my little <clears throat> infant, and across the, hall, uh, this, mm, across the aisle were people that I'd met in the waiting room. They were Christians from Australia, and they were there for Reach Beyond, and I'd been introduced to them. And as I got on with the little baby, uh, a flight attendant started asking questions, and more questions, and more questions, and got more and more concerned. The red flags came up for her, and pretty soon, my son and I were off the plane because they were concerned about the health issues and the dangers for him and the liability. Once again, I convinced them that I would sign anything they wanted, that, that we wouldn't hold them responsible if anything happened to David on the trip, that the most important part was that we get on. And due to prayer and God's fantastic work, we got back on that plane, and tears of joy rolled down our cheeks, both that couple that were praying and ourselves. God really, once again, worked and did things for us that we needed done. It is God's doing that we have persevered even amidst delays, criticism, and other t attacks of the enemy of our souls. It is God's doing that the Spirit of God is working in Salasaka. Sometimes we don't see him work. We see the difficulties. There have been a rash of suicides among young people for a while, and it let up briefly, but now it has started again. But we just want to hold fast to some of the good things that have happened. <clears throat> One of the good things was that um, Mari Bell, a young Sala soccer girl, got sick. Now, on the on the appearances, that doesn't sound good, but I'll tell you why it was good. Um, David, when we got back to Ecuador, couldn't tolerate living at 9,000 feet in the village, too high, not enough oxygen. So we ended up living in Shell, Ecuador, 3,500 feet, and there was a mission hospital there, so he got great medical attention, but I was far away from hearing Quechua being spoken all the time, so I kind of drifted and floundered even more in being able to speak it. But when Maribel from Salasaka got sick, her family wanted her at the mission hospital because they'd heard 
good reputation of it being a good place. So for she was there 34 days, and David and I used to go and visit her regularly. And uh, I know David especially brought a lot of joy into her miserable hospital life because he even would bring his CD and dance for her. And sometimes he would push her up and down the hall in a wheelchair with her IV connected. And it was a provision of God that I got to communicate with her and really uh, find a friend and have better listening skills in Ecuador and in Salasaka, Quechua. A recent provision is that in the past calendar year, um, Patricio and his wife have become believers. And what's really great is that it feels like this was a capstone event because they are, have evangelistic hearts. I think they're going to be like Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, the great missionary to the Gentiles. They want to reach their own people using their own language. And they said, we have no resources. But I was delighted to take stacks of children's Bible story books off my shelves and give that to them and delighted that they can access the website where we've put up scripture in the Salasaka Quechua language. And they are just devouring it. And so we know that God is accomplishing something in Salasaka. We've seen God move in mighty ways. And we know how Jesus worked in the New Testament we saw how Jesus would disciple a group of people and send them out. Um, we've been privileged to teach linguistics and teach many people in many parts of the world. I've taught Brian and Josie in UND in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I've taught in Colombia, and I've taught in India. In, Colum in Colombia, there's Jenny and Sirli, and I talk to them monthly now. There's Gigi and Rosi, and Rosi is now going to lead the course. She was the byproduct. First it was Gigi, and we were training him. He was being mentored by me. And Rosie came along in our first uh, big course, three-week course, and she just loved the method and loved doing it. And now this year, she's going to be the one leading the course. Um, and as I said, there's Brian. Brian, when he came to the University of North Dakota in the summer for linguistics training, thought, I think the Lord's calling me to the Muslim world. And so he started working in Arabic. And a few weeks later, about, about halfway through the course, and about a month after the course has started, the Lord confirmed and actually led him and got him assigned to China, and that was confirmed by the end. Brian has been calling me by Skype or emailing me once again about once a month for about the last three years as he works in Chinese and keeps growing and working and serving and serving in a mighty way through God's power to bring the good news to special people where he lives in China. God wants all people to come to a saving knowledge of him when he calls us to change our plans and follow his plans. He equips and encourages. We began getting acquainted with you friends here at King of Glory in the fall of 2011 after we had moved to the U.S. for David to go to high school. God has used you to equip and encourage us, your generosity, toward us has spoken volumes. We appreciate all of you, and especially those who have been involved in David's life. 
What you may not know is that before we came back, God did something special for David. I don't think I can say it. I get all choked up about this, so I'm going to have Shed tell the story. I've done substitute teaching before. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we um, had reached the, the uh, conclusion with our supervisor it would be best for us to move back to the States, and we reached that somewhere in August. Um, and decided not to tell David about it yet because we thought he might get excited. He might get moving gears and get ready to go already, and we weren't going to be moving back to the States until April. Okay? So what we decided to do was do a special Christmas present for David and tell him at Christmas. Okay? So we kept it a secret, and we, uh, Chris made a special uh, um, present for him, and I remember part of it was a scarf. Did you wrap it in a scarf? Yeah wrapped a scarf. Scarf representing cold weather, moving up to the States where there's cold weather, much more than in Shell, Ecuador. And inside was a puzzle. David loves puzzles. He likes words. He likes reading. And it said, we're going to be moving to... South Dakota, I think. South I wrote, or Dakota, or, or the United States, whatever mm -hmm. we put. And so, that's there. It's under the tree and ready for December 25th to be opened. Just waiting. Well, on December 22nd, uh, David woke up and was having breakfast with Chris that morning, and he said, Mom, I had a dream last night. And she says, oh, yeah? Tell me about it. He says, well, an angel visit me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the angel told me I was supposed to live, go live by my sister. She lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, by the way. So we left it at that. She didn't... Uh, prompt him anymore or ask anymore, just kind of left at that. She knew the Christmas present was waiting and waiting to give him the surprise. Well, and when we opened up the present, he, he didn't say anything. I mean, he read it and accepted it, and that was it. And his sister-in-law who was down there said, well, David, what do you think? Aren't you surprised? And he said, no, I already knew that. God already told me. Living life fully abandoned to the Lord's good plan is exciting. <laughs> it's full of eye-opening surprises and unbelievable serendipities. We have no idea why we were chosen to experience so much love and joy. But now we know that it was never about us doing something great for God. It was about Him, what He did in us. I'd like to share a quote, biblically-based quote, written by John Piper. The ultimate reason for all things in the communication of the glory of God's grace for the happy praise of a redeemed multitude of every people and tongue and tribe and nation. All things were created and guided and sustained for the glory of God, which reaches an apex in the glory of his grace, which shines most brightly in the glory of Christ, which comes to focus most clearly in the glory of the cross. We started translation in uh, 1992, and we started with the book of Luke. The, uh, actually, chapter 2, we just took the Christmas story. It's fairly easy to translate, a good place to start. 
familiar story to many people in Salasaka, and it worked well. We got to the part where it says Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And I knew their word for what they do, wrapping their kids in cloths. It's maitushka. None of the native speakers brought that up. They said, how do we do pañales? Pañales is a Spanish word they're translating from. In modern day, pañales is what you buy at the pharmacy, disposable diapers. But it had been changed. Many words changed through time, right? And that word has changed. And it wasn't disposable diapers in Jesus' time, was it? We all know that. Um, they knew that. It wasn't hard. But it, I said, you guys haven't said it yet, but you've got the word maitushka. That's the exact same thing. Oh, no, it couldn't be. So we looked up some references and some commentaries in Spanish to help them see that, oh, yeah, these are claws. Jesus was wrapped up in claws, just like you wrap up your babies. Jesus was maitushka. Well, we let it sit for a while because I could see they weren't ready to accept maitushka for Jesus. We let it for a couple of weeks, and people came back, and they decided humbly and kind of surprised and shyly that Jesus was maitushka. It was read at Christmas time that year, and a lot of Salasaka people came to realize that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among people so that they, too, would come to know about the glory of God and how much he loves us. And so we believe that Jesus was Maitushka. He belie we believe that he came for the Salasaka people as well as all peoples of all nations and all tribes. And all honor and glory be to him as he reaches and touches lives in every one of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome beyond description. May people in Salasaka and everywhere have the privilege of hearing your word in their language and experiencing your love in a way that will bless them so that you may be exalted among every people group. Help our translation team to translate clearly, accurately, and naturally, so the Salasaka people will know you're speaking directly to them. I pray for us here at King of Glory, and also for the believers in Salasaka, that we would be willing to live connected to you, holding loosely to things of this world and obeying you wholeheartedly and with abandon. Thank you for how you provide for all of our needs and how you keep us from falling. May your spirit fill us with joy and give us times of holy rest. Convict us of wrongdoing and help us to forgive others, especially our adversaries. Remove the temptation of taking pride in ourselves and replace it with a revelation of your work in and through us. Help us keep our eyes on Jesus, our great shepherd, and on the great throng of people who will honor him in heaven. Shina Gachung. And we all say, Amen. Dios bendice May God bless you.